Hello, 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 everyone. It is Wednesday, March 25th, 2020. Uh, this is WBOK 1230 AM. I am Dr. Adrian. And I'm Dr. Maria. And we are NOLED Education for Liberation. We are happy to be here with you. We are in an indisclosed location uh, recording this show. Um, so you are hearing it on Wednesday. We actually are recording it today, Wednesday. We're a little earlier than normal and we're not doing it live from the studio because we are um, exercising social distancing. We're trying to be responsible um, and make sure that we take care of our health and the health of others. Um, and the, the mayor and the governor have asked for folks to only do essential activities. And while we love recording the show and um, coming and we, we, we've been in the studio live as much as possible, we really thought it was, um, you know, we wanted to observe the mandate um, and be responsible and, uh, and have the, and still record the show. The technology is fabulous. So we are able to record the show and um, and then it will play today. So we, we recorded on Wednesday. We just didn't, we're just not live at seven o'clock, but we're live right now. How you doing, Dr. Maria? Yay, I'm also alive. I'm glad that you're live. Thanks. And I got a new <laughs> dog. His name is Cash Money. Ca Cash Money for the nine, nine and 2000? You know what? Um, that's the name he came with from the ASPCA. Um, Cash Money. Yeah. yeah. He, I mean, he answers to it more consistently than other things. Uh, what, is this, huh? what kind of dog is he? He's a Whippet mix. Um, whippet mix. I yeah. So he's Whippet and something else. Um, my sister thinks it's Whippet and um, Terrier of some kind. Okay. Um, but I think it might be Whippet and Stupid because he is not the brightest dog. Like what now? But what is a whippet? I've never heard of a that whippet. Before. Is like a greyhound, but a hmm. little bit smaller. So okay. he does like running around, but he also very much likes not running. Um, I would say that his primary interests include not running, um, <laughs> sitting, and cuddling. So if you're interested, there's a lot of um, the ASPCA on the West Bank and the East Bank. They're still adopting animals. So if you are stuck at home and you need something alive to take care of, to like help you get out of bed every morning while we're under quarantine, um, they're going to have a bunch of new kitties soon because kitty season is happening. And they also have a lot of really adorable pets. And there's some owner surrenders, too, because there's some people who are realizing that they can't take care of their pets right now because of the whole pandemic situation. Um, so our I, this is my first time owning a dog. I'm normally a cat person, as you know. Um, so cash money came with um, a lot of commands that he already knew, like up and down and sit and apparently get off the couch as like a long Because <laughs> <laughs> he reacts better to that than he does his name and stop it. Uh, he definitely looks up if somebody says, stop it. He, you know, that's hilarious. Yeah. He's so, a very good um, boy. Just done with a box of rocks. How he's old two years. He's two years and three months. Okay. Okay. So I just want to really quickly shout out. Um, we don't get any money for this, but hopefully we will. We're using a great um, web-based 
podcast service. It allows us to see each other because what's mm-hmm. weird for us, because we're recording this and normally we're on live facing each other in the studio. Yeah, yeah. We're using a, a web-based um, service that allows us to look at each other and record this. And what I can't tell, Maria, is can you hear me? Yeah, well, I can hear you. Oh, because see, for me, it sounds muffled. I felt like for me, I hear you, you hear very, me? I can hear you really clearly, but I can't hear myself. Yeah, but you don't want to, actually, because there's a button that says echo reduction. Now I can't hear you at all. Can you hear me now? Can I you hear can me hear now? you now. Oh, uh, so, okay. I was pressing the button on my mic because yeah. this is really exciting. It's really important for educators, parents, and activists of all sorts to experiment with new technology. It, it's it okay really to make is, mistakes. Honestly. Yeah, no, I'm being serious. Yeah. Like, guess what? Oh, All really? of us are going to have to rethink how we um, how we re- do our activism and do our community support because there's going to be some folks who you need to reach out to and who you need to talk to that you normally would rely on, like, body language and tone of voice and all that to, to help build rapport. And that's not going to be a thing. Yeah. You know? That's weird. It's a, it's really interesting times that we're in. Um, so I want to know, we are, we are back. This is our first full week, not full week. We're back from spring break at the university of Illinois. Uh, mm-hmm. we actually had the 23rd and the 25th off to prepare for, um, being online only. Mm-hmm. Um, and so officially classes started today. Um, and I want to know for you all, what are you doing as a high school teacher? What is it looking like for y'all, uh, in terms of your, your classes and technologies that you may or may not be using and all that? Well, I, um, I'm in a good position myself because I had made signing up for my Google classroom, a quiz grade back in January, um, So the majority of my students are in it. And those who aren't, um, I've either spoken with their parents or know why they're not in it. Um, What I've been doing for, I haven't set up like any formal assignments in mine. Um, Instead, what I've been doing is doing very like low stakes, keeping you in the habit of using your social studies skills. Um, Like that kind of assignment where it's like, read this article, use some of your social studies skills, like use your social scientist skills and, you know, give me like a quick response to it. After Friday, that's going to be when I start transitioning towards more conventional assignments that the students need to engage with. Um, I'm hoping that they, I already know that some of the issues are going to be that not everybody has equal access to technology and that some of the students are going to need to balance um, their use of their phone with the fact that they might be care providers for younger brothers or sisters who may or may not have their own devices. And, um, you know, so like, I'm thinking about how to navigate that as an educator. Um, I already know that with one of the students, I spoke with his, um, his adult and asked her to follow up with the student because he's friends with someone who has a computer and that student can send, um, like send the pictures of the assignments and then, you know, they can share a login because they've done that before. Um, But I did have to like very quickly intervene because the mom um, is Spanish speaking family. So I'm like, my Spanish is not great. 
So I was like, oh, he has copies of the assignment and he can send him a copy of the assignment. And she was like, oh, you mean like a photocopy? And I was like, no, we are social distancing. No one is coming to your house with a set of photocopies from these grubby teenagers because they're great. But like, that just sounds like, you know, yeah, that sounds like, like, if this was the movie Contagion, there'd be a slow close-up of the stack of papers right. like, in someone's hands, you know? And yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, I, what I really recommend if you're a teacher or if you're close friends with a teacher, designate three students to be like pod leaders. And I say pod leaders and not group leaders because they're not going to be doing group work. They're just going to be the kids who are responsible for disseminating any files to um, students that don't have consistent internet access. Okay, mm. So it's going to be, it's not necessarily going to be your A student. Um, I'm set up for this because like I said, I've you know taught online a couple of times. Um, but there's an assignment that I did at the beginning of the year called a sociogram. And basically what you have the students do is designate, um, and I need to shout out uh, Mr. Wilson, um, who was my was very influential on my teaching because he was the one who gave me the original assignment layout for this. But you ask the students as like a bell ringer to identify who they think is the smartest person in the class, who they would ask for help and who they would most want to hang out with outside of school. And you don't tell, you know, you don't share the results of that. You know what I mean? But it's a really great way of figuring out like, who is maybe like a hidden genius in your class, but also who is the student everyone feels comfortable asking for help? Because those two students might not be the same person. Um, so I already have a good sense of what students I'm going to be asking to just do a quick check-in to make sure everybody has, you know, whatever the digital files is. Um, I would also say not to be afraid to ask students to do stuff like that, because a large part of what we're doing at the high school and middle school level is making, giving kids stuff to do so that they feel like they're in control of their worlds because a lot of really scary stuff is happening right now. And it's important at that age for them to feel like they have control over something. So even if that control is not doing what Dr. V says, that's still an important affective state for them to be in because it's still an issue of control. Even if they don't want to do what I'm saying, like, that's fine. <laughs> you know, like, it's still healthy for you to, like, feel like you don't have to do something. Mm. Have you all ever taught, have you guys as a school or as a district? I mean, I, we're, uh, and I ask about the grading piece because, um, you know, we're students are obviously worried about grades. Professors have to figure this out. And um, I actually don't know where we are on this because I don't teach undergraduates, but the whole, um, pass, fail, credit, no credit options are, um, I think, on the table. And I know I've talked to colleagues in other places that um, all of their, you know, that they're considering the same kind of um, grading um, in education. It's a little different in some fields. So, for instance, um, I have a colleague who's in counselor ed. There are courses where you are licensed and sometimes it's, you can't do pass, um, no pass or credit, no credit. Um, and so I just wonder how you all are dealing with the, have you made, have you had to make adjustments to how you're going to grade students and what about the testing situation for y'all? Um, I think testing is going to be something we talk about later on. Um, and that's also, I'm in the lucky position 
that since I'm not a leap class, um, I think I have a little bit more wiggle room in terms of how I approach testing and how I approach accountability. So what I would say is if you're somebody who's thinking of transitioning your class to an online class, and if necessary, I can post this format. Um, what I do is I create an assignment sheet and on the assignment sheet, I lay out what the assignment is. So for example, um, you know, like if I do a 10 minute podcast assignment where they have to listen to like the daily 202 from Washington Post and then answer three questions, then I say, this is gonna be our bell ringer assignment. And you guys can't see that I made dramatic air quotes, but I made very dramatic air quotes. Um, but this is our bell ringer assignment. It is a low stakes writing assignment. It is a qualitative writing, not qualitative. I use another phrase. Oh, it's an informal writing assignment. So you don't got to be formal in your language. You do have to answer the questions in complete sentences and you will be graded by how well you answer the questions. Mm -hmm. And then I'll say it's, I'll be bold that it's informal because what will sometimes happen with online classes for students who are EL or students who have a disability is that they'll get so focused on the fact that I'm not a strong writer that yeah. they'll spend a disproportionate amount of time on what you're saying is a low stakes participation grade and then not have enough time for whatever your higher stakes assignment is. Um, so what I really recommend doing is being very transparent. There's a guide that um, I want to say that you sent me, a uh, Dr. Dixon. Um, I can't remember if you did or didn't, but like one of the things you have to do with online assignments is just be very clear. This is what the expectation is because students, especially high school students and early career college students, they model a lot of what the work should look like by talking with other students. So yeah. that aspect is not going to be there. So for my students, they know that their notes for the bell ringer should take up between half a page to a page because they can look and see when they're in class, like that's about how much the person sitting next to me is writing. Hi, person. Can they see us? I don't know. I'm trying to document our um, our show. <laughs> um, but yeah, so just be really clear, really transparent. Um, honestly, the best thing with online classes is also doing as much advanced prep as you can, because the other thing is, is that for the students, they might know that they're not going to consistently have internet access. So if they're able to download all of the readings at once, um, that's a really big deal for them. So I would never, I, I've done this a couple of times where I would put in the readings the week that they were supposed to do the readings. And that was just very stressful for me and for the students. I would never do that again. Yeah. Um, for these guys, um, we're definitely going to be using a lot of News ELA because News ELA is responsive to their reading levels as they do the quizzes. So it'll scale up or scale down based on how the students are doing. And we're probably going to do a lot with ReadWorks. And I really think that they need to listen to the news more just in general. So we're probably going to be doing that. I do need to find a news podcast or audiovisual news source that's specifically New Orleans, though. Uh -huh. So I might need to play around with the W. DSU website or look on WBOK on our website to see what local news options are available that can be like the main thing is it needs to be like a file that they can download you know mm -hmm. so like if I only have 10 minutes of Wi-Fi then I can download my stuff and then go mm -hmm. I think um, I saw something from Cox where they were offering 
low cost Wi-Fi. Yeah, I shared that with my students. But the thing is, is that um, part of, according to one of my students, part of the questions they ask is about social security numbers and not because they need billing information because they might bill you later on, you know? And I mean, they, they're saying that they're not, but you know how it is when like, like I signed up for Shudder because Shudder is having a month free. You know what I mean? But the first thing when I told every all my friends, because I love horror movies and I love science fiction fantasy and they have a huge backlog of it. But the first thing that, you know, happened when I told some of my friends was, oh, well, are they still going to ask for credit card information? You know what I mean? So just because it's free doesn't mean then I, then, you know, some people feel like they shouldn't have to put in their credit card info or get right. a security number, which is understandable. That's not, that's not an illegitimate feeling or concern. It just means that that is a barrier to making use of those services. So yeah. um, I saw, and I'll post this on our Facebook page, um, that some bookmobiles um, in rural areas have changed into Wi-Fi trucks. What? Uh, yeah. So that you can still access Wi-Fi. Um, and I'm looking it up now. Um, but that's the main thing I would say is that as you're designing your online class, do it file-based, don't do anything that requires, um, streaming services, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because the issue that, um, that students are going to be having is consistent internet access. And if I can download like a week's worth of work at once, you know? And then do that. And then the next time I have internet access, get access to a week's worth of work at once, then, you know, that really alleviates some of my stress about my grades. Right. I don't know how this is working. I'm trying to document our show, but I don't think, you it's know, the out. archivist in me is very much a fan of that. The person who is doing this podcast from their bedroom is concerned. You're going to see my body spray. I don't Which see is, anything. Really? Nothing. Yeah. Oh, you just well, then now it's just on the record. Now everybody <laughs> listening to WB OK knows I bought my body spray from Bed Bath & Beyond. You see, Wait, and no one even Bath & Body Burks. See, there you go. So how are you faring during this? Um, so I'll let me start. I do want to know how you're feeling about the stay-at-home order. I will start with how I have dealt with it, um, which is why we're not in the studio today. I have asthma and I've been exceptionally worried about ca uh, catching the coronavirus, but you wouldn't necessarily know it from my behavior. So every day I got up <laughs> and I would go for a walk in um, Audubon Park um, and then I would do an errand. So if I had to go to Target or... Um, Walmart, it, it generally centered around going to a store to buy something for the house. So it was never really kind of frivolous. Mm. Um, but nonetheless, I would be out um, for several hours at a time. And I have, uh, I have serious asthma and severe allergies. I'm literally allergic to everything. Um, the, I'm allergic to foods. I'm allergic to all modes and all molds and pollens. Um, both varieties of dust mites, um, trees, grasses. I mean, it's, I'm allergic to everything. Um, and so I'm on yearly, I'm on an allergy pill year round, nasal spray, uh, another allergy med that I had not actually been taking because I take so much. I was like, oh, I don't know. And it kind of came to a head. I had a severe asthma reaction 
that culminated yesterday in feeling horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and asthmatics are susceptible to the coronavirus. So I was also, I've been very stressed out since, um, I, so early on when the outbreak, um, happened, I didn't pay attention to, um, the way it impacted your body. Like I knew that it was, that there was an outbreak, blah, 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 but I didn't know that it was a respiratory disease. I just, that part just missed me. Um, and typically I'm not necessarily in a vulnerable, you know, I don't take immunosuppressant. I don't mean, I don't take immunosuppressant medications, blah, 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 blah. So I didn't pay attention. And, um, I internalize my stress. So, um, I compartmentalize my life. I'm fully aware of all this and I internalize my stress. So if you were to talk to me, most people wouldn't know when I'm stressed out and because I don't necessarily say, Oh, I'm so stressed and I'm really worried. Um, and it just, and it has always manifested physically for me. So, uh, and my asthma is one place where a lot of my anxieties have manifested. I mean, it is a physical illness that I get from being exposed to cigarette smoke and dogs and blah, 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 but also it manifests through severe stress for me. And, um, so yesterday it just all came to a head and I was, I, I was using my inhaler constantly, which for me is a, a, a big, um, red flag that my asthma is not doing well because I'm very compliant with my medication. So I don't skip asthma medicines. Um, and for the most part, I try to, you know, make sure that I'm okay, but I, um, could not breathe yesterday. My back hurt, uh, my chest was hurting and I, and I don't have the I have no other symptoms of a coronavirus. I didn't have the headache. I, I, I didn't have fever. Um, I don't have body aches. Um, but I had been going out in the park and because of the allergies. And so as a result, today I decided not to go out at all. So I haven't left the house and my, it, you, my lungs feel fresh and clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just the constant exposure to the, because apparently the count, pollen count is very high. Yeah. Um, and I was over in the park and, um, it's, I feel a hundred times better than I did yesterday. And I had been consistently going out to the park walking. Uh, and I just think I, it's not probably not a good idea. So I was talking to my pulmonologist, um, which is why we're not recording in the studio today. I called my pulmonologist and I was like, you know, so I understand that this is a serious situation. So I'm not downplaying it, but can I go out and walk? And can I, she was like, really, you shouldn't go out at all. She was like, you just really shouldn't go out at all. And the fact that you're using your inhaler concerns me. So we pumped up, my, we um, increased my daily meds that I use. So I was at a point, so I take a medication component court where I can take one puff. Um, I was at the point where I was taking one puff um, once a day. And the normal dosage is um, two puffs twice a day um, and we were just slowly weaning me down, um, because my asthma is actually well controlled. And in this context, I have to take two puffs twice a day, which for me is, you know, we've gotten me to one puff twice a day. And then I was at one puff once a day and I was still really good. My asthma was good. My lungs were good. And in this context, I couldn't, I couldn't make it. I had to go up to two puffs twice a day, which is huge. It's an inhaled steroid, um, and I, my, it was, I was in my back. So when I struggle to breathe and most people, my son does asthma education, my, my oldest son, his um, master's of public health, and he did his project on um, 
asthmatics and disparities for African-Americans asthma education. So I, so I know what it feels like when I'm having an attack or when I was going to get bad and my back just ached, my check chest was aching. And it's one of those things where you, you slow, I was slow. I was just hunched over like this all day. Cause I couldn't actually sit up and it was really terrifying. And, um, but I had been worried all week. I, well, since for the last couple of weeks, but I just wasn't even really conscious of it until yesterday um, when it all kind of just hit. And the thing, and I'm, I, so I have a nebulizer and I was going to use my nebulizer. The wonderful thing about this is the telemedicine piece of it. So um, my doctor is really good at responding to my emails, but I think they're just a little more um, attuned to it now because, you know, we're, they're practicing the telemedicine, telemedicine. So when I contacted her, I was like, I'm having these problems. I'm using my inhaler. I've used it twice today and I needed to use it. Um, she said, well, go ahead and, you know, use it. I have a spacer. We'll increase your daily meds. But she said, do not use your nebulizer because they're thinking that the nebulizers are um, what they say, aerosolizing the, um, the coronavirus. So actually it would be an accelerant. Um, if I were to use my, um, my nebulizer. So that was a little scary. Um, and I read recently that, um, the hospitals are not now using nebulizers. They're doing the, the air pump, the pumps. And so the inhalers are in high demand now because when people get coronavirus, they get the respiratory issues. And so the way they've been treating them in the hospitals with the nebulizers, and they've seen that there has been, you know, it has kind of um, spread. So they decided to start, or the, 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 the illness progressed rapidly with the, with the um, nebulizer. So they have started using the inhalers. So I'm, I'm grateful that I was able to, you know, stay in touch with my doctor um, and get, a supply of medication on hand that I, we just anticipate, you know, anticipated needing it. So I have some on hand and that I didn't use my nebulizer because I was, and her, her issue is with the nebulizer is that they're finding that asthmatics. So asthmatics like me, my asthma is well controlled. I've always had a nebulizer, but because it's well controlled, if I have to use a nebulizer, there's a problem. And so I should probably be seen by a doctor as opposed to, you know, so if it's well controlled and you need a nebulizer, clearly there's something going on as opposed to if you always need a nebulizer, then there, you know, that's not unusual because you're, you always need a nebulizer. So you're used to doing that and you, you'll be followed up with a doctor. Whereas for me, I see my pulmonologist maybe once or twice a year, and, but my asthma is well controlled. So when I'm in a situation where I need my nebulizer, there's something going on and there's a problem and I should be seen as opposed to trying to treat it myself. So, um, the, my asthma situation really, I mean, I'll be honest, it really scared me. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so I decided to stay in and I do feel, I feel it, a, a hundred times better than I felt yesterday. Um, I took my neb I took my inhaler just as a prophylactic, um, my, my rescue inhaler. I took it, um, just because I'm in the habit of doing it, but I didn't need to take it. Um, but I also didn't want to be in a situation where I was going to feel like I needed to take it, but I feel, um, I feel a thousand times better, a thousand times better than I did yesterday. 
I'm glad that you, number one, were able to talk to your doctor. Um, I would, uh, you know, I'm obsessed with weather apps. Yeah. Um, so I like looking at the Zyrtec weather app. Um, we're going to let's 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 get into this. We are going to take a short break. This is WBLK 1230 a.m. I am Dr. Adrian. I'm Dr. Maria. We are Education for Liberation. We'll be right back. It's Wednesday, March 25th, 2020. We'll be right back. <laughs> 